Welcome to the PapaCast. On the gridiron. Now here's your host, Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of the PapaCast. I'm Bob Papa. Obviously with the NFL draft closing in, lots of things going on in the National Football League. And no bigger news than from last week, the fact that the Rams made this blockbuster trade with the Tennessee Titans, moving to the first overall pick. There's been a lot of speculation. Which quarterback will it be for the Rams? Rams are saying right now that they're not necessarily certain. They're kind of weighing their options. So on our opening drive Sirius XM NFL radio show, Adam Schefter of ESPN joined Ross Tucker and I, and I asked Adam point blank, do the Rams know who their guy is? Well, let me explain to you what happens. When they make this trade, they absolutely make the trade thinking – that they're going to take one particular individual. And, and I believe today that that individual is Jared Goff. But they also go into the situation, if you look back at it, there was a year that the 49ers had the first overall pick, and everybody thought they were taking Aaron Rodgers until the week before they draft, and they switched it up to Alex Smith. And there was a week when the Jacksonville Jaguars, or uh, the Kansas City Chiefs had the first overall pick, and everybody thought they were going Luke Jogel. And the last week they switched up to Eric Fisher. And so they go into this, I think, preferring Jared Goff, but not absolutely insisting that it'll be Jared Goff. We don't know what's going to happen the last two weeks. For all we know, somebody could get hurt. Somebody could do something stupid. Things always happen. But the Rams are set up in the number one slot so that it doesn't matter what happens. They trade up there. Let's just say one of the quarterbacks during a workout Hurts his knee, hurts his shoulder, knock on wood, and we don't want anything like that to happen. Well, it would be tougher at that point for the Rams to trade up, and the price might go up. Okay, then they couldn't trade up to number two. Yes, they go into this with a preference, and I think if the draft were today, I believe the pick would be Jared Goff. But they've got two weeks to spend with both individuals, study both individuals, and I can tell you for a fact, they're definitely still doing that. They are looking at both guys. And today... They lean Jared Goff, and they make the trade, I believe, thinking they're going to take Jared Goff. But they also know that there's two weeks left when they make that deal, and they want to be thorough, and they want to evaluate it, and they still are reaching out to people to solicit their opinions on both quarterbacks. So when people say, oh, they have to, yeah, well, they they have an idea when they make that trade. But they also have an idea that there's two weeks left, there's work to be done, there's things that happen. And they're going to be set up for whatever direction they go, even though they go into that trade knowing they have a preference. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. My follow-up question that would be, Aaron, uh, Adam, is that could do teams sometimes overthink this when they they've got an inherent gut feeling and they've done work and they believe the guy there's a guy there that they really like, and then in this last little run up to the draft. Maybe too many cooks get involved. Maybe they look at too much, and you want about smarting yourself? Well, I mean, I guess that could happen, and I'm sure it has happened over time. I think the fact of the matter is you put as much time and energy into this. And it's funny because I was speaking to various Rams officials, and when the trade went down, uh, I went back to look at my notes to see what they had said about both quarterbacks. We were talking when they were sitting there at 15, and – they described them as 1-1-A before the trade was even made. Now, again, I think they absolutely have a preference for one guy, but various people in that organization have said at various points during this process before the trade was made 
you know, we think both these quarterbacks are really good. And so, yeah, they, they can overthink it. Maybe sometimes if you overthink it, Bob, maybe it works out to your advantage. Maybe sometimes it doesn't. But if you remember that year with the 49ers, it was always going to be Aaron Rodgers until the last week, and then it wasn't. And teams do change their minds. And sometimes maybe it works out for the better, and sometimes maybe it doesn't. But in this particular case, the Rams really like both quarterbacks. They truly do. And I think today, I think they prefer Goff, but they want to be thorough and diligent and speak to people. And could they change their mind? Sure, they, they could. I don't think they will, but they want to make sure they will. And they're operating from a position of power, a position of strength, sitting there as the number one pick. They don't have anything to worry about. If, God forbid, one of these things should happen to one of these quarterbacks, uh, they, they can easily just take the other one. You know, it's interesting, Adam, because I understand the examples of the Chiefs and the 49ers, but both of them had the number one overall pick. They didn't trade up and trade a King's ransom to get the number one overall pick, which is why I'm of the mindset, and I think you're kind of saying this, that they don't trade a King's ransom unless they really, really have a strong conviction about one guy or the other, that he is the guy? Well, I, I, I think, Ross, and I sincerely mean I think they had a conviction on both guys. I really do. I mean, I think that they felt good about both, but they feel even better about the fact that they're in position to take the guy that they prefer, which the guy they prefer today, I believe, would be Jared Goff. Today. Okay? But if something were to happen and they went through this and they changed their mind i think that they're close enough on these guys that there's not as much of a difference that it wouldn't be stunning or shocking if all of a sudden in the 10 days remaining they heard enough or discovered enough or realized enough that they said you know the the scale has been tipped the other way again i don't i don't see that happening i don't see that happening but I'm just telling you, it has happened in the past with other teams, and the reason they traded up was to be in a position of power, to not have any issues or questions, and they had a conviction on both guys. They really did. But they had a preference on the one guy going into this. So then I guess the, the next logical question, Adam, to, for Mike would be, if they really like both guys that much, yep. why yep. didn't they theoretically – you know, try to trade into six ahead of the 49ers and give up a lot less than what they gave up and presumably get the second one thinking that one goes to number two, either at Cleveland or as part of a trade-up, and then they get the second one if they leapfrog the 49ers or something like that, you know, when the draft comes around. You you can't do that, Ross, because there there were at least two other teams attempting to make the trade for the number one pick. And if you don't trade up to number one, I can assure you, with as active as Tennessee was being with that pick, that somebody else would have. And once somebody else, be it Philadelphia or the New York Jets or the 49ers, moves into that number one hole, now the price on that number two pick just went up. So they took a proactive approach. They didn't wait and get cute. And this is a team that has gotten cute with quarterbacks over the last four, five, six years. And they've been able to manipulate the draft in their favor 
like when they traded the RG3 pick. But now they couldn't go to six and think that one wouldn't be traded, two couldn't be traded, Dallas couldn't go quarterback. If, if you went to six, there was a real chance that you would never see a quarterback, and then you traded up for nothing. So this is a team that has attempted and explored the quarterback market in other years. It's never been able to get it done. This year, going to LA, it said, we are going to sit in the top slot. We're not going to have any questions and issues. And even in this particular case, with all that they gave up, they had the free pick from the Philadelphia Eagles as part of the Sam Bradford trade. Free second-round draft pick that makes this possible. Okay? They trade a third-round pick next year that they're going to get back compensatory draft pick on Janaris Jenkins. So really, what in the end, what it came down to was they traded their one this year, which they get a one back. They traded their two this year, and they traded their one next year. So I think the way they're looking at it is, yeah, they gave up an extra two this year. That was Philadelphia's. Yeah, they gave up an extra three next year. That's Janaris Jenkins. So the price of trading up to the number one slot, where they now sit, where they get their choice of the quarterbacks, where they do have a preference going in, is priceless. You can't put a number on that. Nobody can dictate to them how this draft is going to go. They don't have to worry. They take the quarterback they want, and right now I believe they want Goff, but they get the right over the last 10 days to check into both quarterbacks, examine both thoroughly, speak to all the quarterback gurus out there, do all the research they want, and then make the pick on the night of April 28th. So we had Sashi Brown on the program last week uh, talking some Browns and not really sure who they were most interested in. Obviously, they have RG3. Is it a plus for the Browns with the way this played out in the fact that if they're not interested in a quarterback, there's still potentially a market for some teams that are interested to move up? Or did the Browns make a mistake depending on the guy that they really like and not try to make a deal with Tennessee to flip spots to at least guarantee that they control the guy they get? I will say this, that even before this trade were made, I had been under the standing that Cleveland was not going quarterback. And that was my firm and distinct impression and intel. Now, if that is accurate, and I believe it is, okay, that they weren't going quarterback, then this I trade, I think, is a good thing for Cleveland because now Cleveland's sitting in that second hole. And if any other team wants a quarterback and there are teams that do want that other quarterback, they have to come to Cleveland. And Cleveland gets to name the price. So, to me, I think the trade added to Cleveland's leverage because I don't think Cleveland intended to take a quarterback at the two-hole. For all the conversation there was about that, I don't believe that was the direction they were going. I think that they, as an organization, they have new people, they have a new approach, a new perspective. They have so many holes to fill. I don't think their thinking was, let's go get the quarterback, bring him in with all these holes, and get his confidence trampled on right away out of the box. We got RG3. We feel good about RG3. There's a connection between Hugh Jackson and RG3. And I think that's one of the reasons you go out and sign RG3 when they did. There were many people who wondered, and I thought it was fair, why would you go to an RG3 if you're going to go draft a quarterback? Because RG3 would not be the right guy necessarily to mentor a young quarterback. But I don't think the plan was to take a young quarterback. The plan is to 
start putting pieces together, build that team up, and build it up to the point where they then go get a quarterback. Because this team's going to be drafting presumably near the top of the draft next year when Deshaun Watson might be the top quarterback next year. And they'll be better positioned at that point to surround him with weapons and protect him. My understanding all along was that Cleveland was not headed in the direction of quarterback. And if that was the case, then I think this trade for the number one pick enhances Cleveland's leverage. So who do you think are the teams, Adam, that would be looking to trade up to Cleveland to number two to get their quarterback? Is it Philly, San Francisco, anybody else? San Francisco, Philly, I think the Jets from the back of the draft, they have a long way to go. It's difficult to do, but you never rule them out. And, and you know, there, there are always other teams, I think, that are mulling things with quarterbacks that, that you just can't rule out. But I think those would be the obvious ones that you look at right now, San Francisco, Philadelphia, the New York Jets. Uh, those are the ones that stand out right now. And then the last thing, Adam, is just with the Rams making this big, bold move from 15 to 1 for an owner that you know clearly is very interested in the business aspect of professional football. Is it potentially more than a coincidence that this is the year that the Rams trade up from 15 to 1, the year they're moving to L.A.? I, well, listen. I think that may be a part of it, Ross, but I think it's way down on the scale. I mean, if you track them in the draft every year, go back two years ago when they had two number ones. They had done so much work into Johnny Manziel and really like considered taking him and wondered whether it should. And that year, I'm trying to remember their picks. They had two and 13, I believe. And at two, they took Greg Robinson. At 13, there was a real debate. And they wound up making the right choice. They took Aaron Donald. And this is a team that's drafted really well. People wondered last year would they take a quarterback again. And they took Todd Gurley uh, and Sean Mannion later in the draft. And they've done a ton of work into quarterbacks every year wanting to draft a quarterback. But the opportunity and the value, just it never matched up. And so after all these years of bypassing on quarterbacks, they knew that they couldn't keep doing that. And so that, to me, is the biggest reason that the Los Angeles Rams traded up to number one. The fact that they're in L.A., sure, we could add it on. Nice new storyline, going to new city. Let's go get a quarterback for this new city. Let's go sell a star, fine. But, I mean, if you just go back and look at them every year in the draft, from the time Sam Bradford started getting hurt, after the RG3 trade, they've been looking at quarterbacks every year, and it just never seemed to match up the guy being on the board, the value being there, over a certain guy that was there. And so finally this organization recognized that we've got to do something, and we've got to do it now. And that's why they took the drastic step that they did. That's why they gave up what they did and could justify it in their own minds. And that's why they're sitting there at the number one spot without a final decision, with a preference for Goff, liking both guys, taking the final 10 days to look into both of them. Adam Schefter of ESPN. Adam, one quick final one for me. If the Jets were to potentially move up um, and try to move up to get the number two pick, um, uh-huh. is Muhammad Wilkerson got to be part of that deal? Well, I would, I would think so, but, again, I don't know that Cleveland's going there right now. Like, I don't know that that's necessarily appealing because somebody that's trained for Mo Wilkerson, they got to pay the contract. The contract's steep. Is that something, if you're Cleveland, that you want to do right now? I think Cleveland – 
right now is more interested in accumulating a lot of young, cheap assets. That's what I think the Browns' preference is. So, you know, the Jets trading up Wilkerson, he's at best just a chip in a trade like that. He's not like the dominant piece you think he is. Yes, he's a great player, a great player. But because of the contract you have to give him, that compromises his value. If, if Mo Wilkerson were in the second year in the league, uh, he becomes a lot more appealing for a team to trade for. There's no questioning his talent, but you're trading for the talent and the contract, and the contract becomes something that I think hinders that possibility. You can read him on ESPN. You can see him on ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter, at Adam Schefter. He's all over it. Adam, we appreciate a couple minutes this morning. Great stuff, as always. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I hope that provides a little bit of clarity there to the Rams thinking. That's Adam Schefter, along with Ross Tucker, on the opening drive on Sirius XM NFL Radio. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Papa Cast.